This is the wonderful Billy Flynn. And podcasting's Rich Siegfried. And Flynn Stress from GeekRadioDaily.com. And we want to welcome you to the Time Shifters podcast. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. Your hosts, the handsome and incredibly talented Christopher and Matt would love to hear from you. There are several ways to get in touch with them. You can look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook. Follow the two on Twitter. Christopher is at Time Shifters pod and Matt is at movies at the mat. That's with two T's. Or you can send them a typed or recorded message to Time Shifters podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Nokia phones, most teletypes, and messenger pigeons. Be nice. Toss them a rate and review at any of those outlets. Now, from the Time Shifter Studio, here, here are, are Christopher, Christopher and, and Matt. Matt. Everyone, welcome back to Time Shifters. Yep, Matt and I are here in studio, and on Skype is someone I've been wanting to get on the show for ages, and I can only blame myself for not doing it sooner. But joining us is the incredible Billy Flynn from Geek Radio Daily. Sir, thank oh. you for joining us. Wow, thank you for that intro. That's fantastic. Wow. Well, I had to give you a good intro because whether I don't think I've ever told you this or not, but yeah, you're one of the people that have kind of that inspired me to even try the whole podcasting gig to begin with. Oh, you're going to blame me. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's all your <laughs> fault. <laughs> exactly. I had a life going once and then this guy said I could be famous if I talked on the internet. <laughs> I think you and I met, uh, used to come out to uh, Starfest like I did. Yeah. I think that's where our, our paths crossed for the first time, and we did that for several years. And I've, I don't think we've uh, had a chance to see each other since then, have we? Sadly, no. I mean, you know, once once you offend Brett Spiner, you just hid in a cave. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke, folks. Woo! Yes. Now that will, uh, I will have to try to correct that at some point. Uh, I'll have to get down there to one of the cons in your neck of the woods, or you, you'll have to come up here for Comic Expo or something at some point. Hey, you know, uh, get me on a VIP list. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Before we really get started and everything, let's just hear a little bit more about what you do for anyone who may not know about Geek Radio Daily. Okay, well, Geek Radio Daily, available at geekradiodaily.com, is a Monday through Friday 20 or so minutes uh, podcast. I say we're the Today Show of podcasting. Monday through Friday makes us more daily than the Daily Show. We cover a wide variety of geek things. Probably our four big forte is every episode we're going to be ending with geek news. Woo! Most recently, we were at Balticon, uh, Balticon 53 up in uh, Maryland. So, you know, we got to see a bunch of people, do some silly things, and put out some bonus episodes that if my uh, FTP will actually let me log back into, it should be up now. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that. I hope it works. <laughs> Thank you. Technology hates me, which is weird for a podcaster. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing that Geek Radio Daily, you've been able to do this Monday through Friday show almost the entire 10 plus years you guys have been around. Yeah, we've we've it's we're going on. Uh, we'll be twelve years in February. <laughs> that is amazing, and I know there was a there was a brief little like gap, wasn't there? Yeah, when when I was trying to finish my bachelor's degree, we, the Daily Show had to stop for a bit, but we still had what we call our GRD Weekly, our yeah. sometimes weekly episodes coming out. So as far as because I've checked this, as far as the Guinness Book of World Records is concerned, I am still working toward the world record for most ongoing longest duration podcast not one episode but overall nice wow hopefully you'll get there i'd love that that would be awesome <laughs> that would be you know it'd be nice to be like hey look i am finally famous for something yeah. no I, I definitely make uh, geek radio daily a uh, part of my my podcast every day if not in the morning in the afternoon on the way home because sometimes it doesn't drop until after i get to work but uh, i i check it out every day so yeah oh, see look oh, oh it see, is always I, a lot of fun i have a good time listening to you guys and yeah and it's actually funny now so yeah after you know <laughs> 10 years we made it funny it's fantastic yeah, yeah. finally <laughs> you just finally had to just keep whittling it down to just that perfect essence right it, it, it gets so hard to get rid of those uh uh you know but once after about six years you get you get through those so yeah oh that's um, good to know uh, <laughs> it's gonna i've got that to look forward to <laughs> yeah, just put it on the calendar it's gonna get there i promise you all right, well, we should uh, talk about some news and stuff. Um, first thing that's been coming around a lot this week I wanted to bring up is because it's been hitting a lot of the Facebook groups and uh, the forums on podcasts and everything. Apple announced that they were going to finally kill iTunes. 
Yeah! <laughs> uh, which they're actually, they're splitting it up. They're going to have like Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, and Apple Movies, which is what they've been doing with their uh, phones and iPads now for almost a year, I think. So I think now they're just carrying it over to the actual desktop computer as well. So everyone's really panicking about, what about my music? What about my podcast? And I'm thinking, it's all going to be there. I'm pretty sure they're not going to just erase everything and you're never, ever going to get it back. I mean, I'm guessing there's going to be a certain ability to migrate your library from one to another. I've been trying to tell people to get off of the ledge. That that's exactly how this has to go. It's just it's just rebranding. You're just renaming it, and they might move some things in their cloud folder. But daily interaction between us, I'm I'm not sure how different it's going to be, other than you have to open up one of four different apps instead of just one. Yeah, and I I don't know about. I mean, I guess a lot of people are still using uh, Apple Podcast app or whatever. But I know also a lot of people have abandoned that a long time ago, as they well should have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, yeah, it's definitely not going to make that big of a deal. I think a lot of people are worried about the music libraries that they have. But yeah, I I, I have to think they're not going to say, well, you just can't access that anymore. I'm like, you know how much money they make selling music still? Yeah, no, no, no. Your music's going to be fine. Yeah. They're just going to, you know, rename what you listen to it under. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of the iTunes app, you'll get the, the music app, and that's where all your music's going to be. It's just a fortune. Really, do you really need just that? Do you really love having just that one app that has, like, movies and music and podcasts? And it's like, I guess it's great, but the iTunes interface has always been kind of, wait, where is that? <laughs> a little yeah. clunky. So... <laughs> That's very nice of you to say it that way. <laughs> yes. So I'd rather have I'd rather have three separate apps because if I'm going to watch a movie, I don't need my music library there at the to be at at the ready. I, I have so, too many mashups to go through to fi- to find a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think this is going to be it's a fine thing. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. Like like you said, back away from the ledge. Nothing's going <laughs> to yes. go away. Nothing's going to just evaporate. Um, it is what it is, and it'll continue to be so. Relax. I mean, I'm I don't know sure. if you can. <laughs> yes! Yes. <laughs> They've been wanting to call this thing Apple Music for so long, and now they finally can, and Paul McCartney has to legally stop rolling his eyes. <laughs> so that's the thing that I had. That's really only news. The only thing that has come up recently that I had. Matt has said he's come up with a... He's got a lot of stuff to talk about, so... Take it away. So, a while back, I teased this idea that I was doing of, of watching one movie on a 24-hour loop. Yes, yes. That idea has evolved. Right. It is no longer one movie on a 24-hour loop, but rather a 24-hour movie marathon, which I'll be doing when this episode comes out in a couple of weeks. Nice. Oh, okay. So, you have- so at the end of this month, but in a couple of weeks after people are actually listening oh, to this. Oh, gotcha. Right, 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 right. Oh yeah, fair warning. There may not be an episode <laughs> after that. <laughs> the recording no, for that episode live stream. Yeah, may not happen. Maybe we'll just have Matt record some uh, incoherent ramblings at three a.m. Right. Those are always that. really fun. <laughs> Those are really fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just put together a bunch of different movies that I own. Um, the plan really is just to go and see how long I can go. And if I can't, I'm going to stop. But if I can, I'm just going to do the whole thing. And I'll be tweeting it out. I'll probably go live a few times on Instagram. I hope people interact. If anybody wants to come over, come over. <laughs> so it should be a good time. Nice. It should be. It's going to be interesting to see if you can make it. I know that I couldn't make it. I would fall asleep on the couch at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that third movie would be rolling around. and be like, Wait, third movie? <laughs> I, where'd that come from? <laughs> No, the third movie after I fell asleep. Oh. I'd be in like a... <laughs> You're stuck on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> Other bit of news is, so last year I kind of detailed my whole saga with MoviePass. Yeah, yeah. Went yeah. from loving it to disappointed <laughs> to hating it to now I'm at the point where I'm like, I want to watch the light go out in its eyes. <laughs> That's all I really want to live for anymore. Oh God, but, they keep clinging, don't they? They just little bits. They cling. Oh, God. they're 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 awful. I I got out. I didn't look back, and now I've signed up for the AMC A list. Oh yeah, okay. How's I, that? I really like it so far. You get three movies a week, but you can see any kind of screening. You can see an IMAX. Oh, you can see a 3D. You nice. can see a standard. You can go to a dine-in. Doesn't matter. No restrictions. No res- one nice. ticket. If you if you were to buy like. 
two three tickets, you, only one of those comes in free, the other two you have to pay for. Still a hell of a bargain. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when you're talking like a 3D IMAX. Exactly. Six o'clock at night. I mean, right. that's like almost 20 bucks a ticket. Right. Yeah, so yeah. So I've got that. And plus, every time you get a ticket, you accrue these like bonus points. And at every like 5,000 bonus points, you get a $5 coupon that you can redeem at any time. So that can go towards one of the tickets that you're paying for for real. And you accrue them pretty quickly. Yeah. I've really been enjoying it. Nice. I took in four movies in the last two weeks. Nice. I saw John Wick 3, Brightburn. Oh, yeah. Booksmart. And last night I went and saw Rocketman. Cool, cool. I enjoyed all of those movies. Excellent. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people really loving the John Wick 3. Uh, what do you think of Brightburn? Was it, is Brightburn was good. It it sets up a world. Mm-hmm. It's one of these movies where you're like, okay, I hope it does well enough that they get a sequel because it's the sequel I'm definitely going to be more interested in right. than this sort of origin story. Very cool. And how many how many evil origin stories have we really gotten in these movies? They really owe it to this movie to go ahead and keep this going. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it felt like. Superman meets the Omen. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it really plays off like that. If someone didn't pitch that to a studio executive that way, I'm very sad. <laughs> Super Omen. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, the kid, the kid that plays uh, Brandon is phenomenal in how terrifyingly creepy he is, but at the same time, it's like, well, maybe he's just an awkward kid. And then you're sitting there going, no, he's a monster. <laughs> and I don't think we can kill him. <laughs> I'm trying to get the John Williams version of the Damien 666. I'm trying to figure out what the John Williams version is. <laughs> That's really all that was missing. There's so many parts where you can play that. But And it's also the idea because the character just turns 12. And there's this whole thing where the parents are like, oh, maybe, you know, he's going through, he's going through puberty. He's going through changes because they find, like, you know... The magazine's under his bed, but then they also find some of these really creepy drawings, and his dad's like, that's nothing I went through, but I don't know, maybe that's what he's into? And then his well, dad, you, see do the part, you see the part where the dad's trying to have, like, the talk with him, and he's like, you're going to have some urges, it's okay if you give in to them, and he's like, really? <laughs> oh, Not realizing oh, they're talking about oh, different God. things. <laughs> and so you get 12-year-old puberty raging at the, you know, simplest things, but he has the ability to crack the world in half. He's the scariest kind of monster you could have. Nice. Okay, I'm looking then. forward to seeing that one. I, that one, definitely, when that trailer first came up, we talked about it. It was really intriguing, so yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Ch- check it out in the theater, because they, they do a lot with the sound, because, you mm. know, there are parts that just get so quiet, because no one wants, to, wants them to be heard by him right but then he like smashes through the wall and so you get this big jump yeah Yeah. good so rocket man though you saw with that's about the elton john biography i i like that one too biopic i should say yeah it's getting some mixed reviews i i read them after i saw it i i see where they're coming from but i had a really good time because it what the trailer doesn't really let you in on is it's kind of a full musical. Like there's parts where you're just going through the movie and then they break out in a song. It's not just during the (laughs) concert. It's just walking down the street or at a party. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? It it fits because everything is set to his, to his music. And you're seeing how I imagine that's what happens in his own mind. Right. (laughs) And you're seeing how like a moment happens in his life and how the lyrics of this song and the moment of this song, even though they weren't written by him, they were written by his longtime friend and collaborator, Bernie, they still fit to that moment. And it's like, you know what? He's got great music. I'm, I'm here for it. As someone who always believes that life should be a musical, that makes me much more interested in seeing the film. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. It was a lot of fun. And Tyron Edgerton completely transformed and became him. It was wonderful to see. I... I've always been a fan of his ever since I saw him in Kingsman, but now, like, this will be the movie that people are like, oh, he's an actor. He's not Uh, just some, you know, suave action guy. He is a real actor, and I hope he gets a whole variety of roles from this. Yeah, cool. And what was the other one you saw? There was a a third one. uh, Booksmart. fourth one, Booksmart. That one I'm not familiar with. That is the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde. 
It's mm. about these two friends, uh, these two girls in high school who are straight-A students, you know, class president, her best friend. They've gotten into Ivy League schools. It's the day before graduation, and they've, they've given up all social lives to be these kind of straight-A, straight-A kids, and that's when it dawns on them. A lot of their f- other kids that they know are also getting into those schools, but they didn't sacrifice the social life and one kid's like well i'm not going to school i'm not going to college but i did get a job at google and so she has this existential crisis of like oh god i didn't have to make that sacrifice i didn't have to be a jerk to everyone so this is their one night to go out and party because there's the graduation party before graduation right and it's really funny good oh okay it's actually it's a comedy it's a comedy Great. It's been quickly summed up as the female super bad, and I don't know that that does it the justice it deserves. It doesn't because I I think it's it, it's, it's smarter than, than that. It's better yeah. than that description. Oh, it certainly is. It certainly is. Have you seen it? Yes. Okay. Yes, I got to see it. And I'm like, because when I when I saw the when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, I was like, okay, you know what? Of all the movies we ever get, we never get this version. We never. When whether it doesn't matter if they're you know, women or men, we never get the, oh my God, we were good our whole lives. We shouldn't have been. Let's go out and just effing party. We never get that story. And I was very interested in that story. And yes, the ladies in this, the ladies in this are quite funny and it is well worth your time. Yeah. Excellent. I went and saw Godzilla King of the Monsters. I figured right? you would. I'm going to see that Monday. <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's kind of one of those movies where technically, is it a good movie? Technically, no. But, Damned if I didn't have fun. Okay. I mean, it's just, I found it just a fun, everything you could want in like a kaiju film. It was fun just for, if you're not real versed and familiar with the uh, the universe, it's cool, you're fine. But there's a lot of little great Easter eggs and just little nods to the old uh, the old films and, and everything that just, for, for a really good fan, you just, the hairs stand on end <laughs> and you kind of, you're like, yes! <laughs> I loved it. I really, really liked it. Was there a good balance with all of the different monsters? No, unfortunately okay. not. No, no. That did, never never is. Never is. No, there was a couple monsters that were kind of like, well, I guess they figured they were going to be good on the poster. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, could have used could have used a little bit more uh, monster equality, but... But at least I, at least they do all get shown, even if in a little bit they do all get shown, unlike Mortal Kombat 2 where you mention characters off screen and never see them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, they do get shown. They, they do get realized. And what this film t- does too, which I really liked, and it really does it more literally with like the end credits, is it kind of sets up a universe. Sure. That, that as I understand it, um, Legendary has like a three-picture deal with Toho for Godzilla. This is two. So this is two. They're going to do the Kong versus Godzilla in 2020. And then after that, I think they can't make any more Godzilla films, possibly not make any more Toho monster films. But they set up a universe here where it's like they could make films in this universe without Godzilla or without the Toho monsters. And it's kind of like, I'm okay with that. I want this is... This is a universe I want to play in. Something I can't wait to see their take on Gamera. <laughs> do a Gamera. That's what they should do. They should go over and start talking to Dai and uh, right, Dai. <laughs> it's all the universe. Yeah, but yeah, definitely they build a build a universe that I would love to play in, and uh, they could definitely take this places and uh, and and go and go places, and I think it would be a lot of fun. Very nice. Do we have anything else? I got three other, or yeah, three other bits of news. Great. Did you see the new trailer for the Dark Crystal show? Oh, I did. Yes. That looked good. I I was kind of on the fence about whether or not I thought that was a good idea, but that trailer's kind of turned my head a bit. It it seems to be kind of like how everything started, like how... That's what I heard. It was kind of like a prequel to The Dark Crystal. I knew it was going to be a prequel, but I thought it was going to be kind of a prequel in the sense that, like, okay, everything happened, and now we're kind of in the middle of the world, and this seems to be more of how we got here. Gotcha. All right, that's cool. And that seems interesting. That's the Netflix? Netflix. Netflix? Yeah. And, yep, they're doing traditional puppets and everything, and it looks... Practical effects, yeah. Yeah, it looks good. 
Excellent. It is the most stylized version of the Dark Crystal you remember. It, it's it it's so weird that it looks exactly the same, but somehow it does look better. Right. It it oh. If, if the series is anything like this, yeah, this teaser is. Oh, wow, we're in for something special. Yeah. Well, we talked about when we watched the Dark Crystal for the show that, that we found the movie kind of meh, but the universe was. We were really interested in that world that they created. Yeah. Yeah. So this is right up that alley. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love these thirty-year payoffs? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for, yeah. right? <laughs> it has been confirmed. Robert Pattinson as Batman. Fine, yep. go with it. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. I, I want to see what he does. I want to see what they do with this new, this reboot. This is probably maybe because of all the ridiculous. Everyone's like, oh, Pattinson. Oh, it, it's like this one actually. Now I'm excited for this reboot. All the others, I'm kind of like, oh god, another one. This one, I'm kind of like, okay, because of all the hate you guys threw. I want to see this one now. <laughs> Out of spite. <laughs> Out of spite. <laughs> and supposedly it's going to be the same Bruce Wayne that was in the Justice League, but this is going to be set in the 90s, so we're going to be getting like a, a Batman year one or two version of the character, played by Robert Pattinson. I like the and idea of seeing more that in, you know, made me happy. Batman. Yeah. That made you happy? Well, when they first announced him, they said this is still going to be the same, the Ben, the ben Affleck Batman. And I'm like, no, it can't be. I mean, the, the simple age difference, Robert Pattinson, while if you remove the nonsensical crap he's been in, is a very decent actor. But there's no way he can pull off the, you know, the tired, I'm getting sick, I'm, I'm too old for this shit, Bruce Wayne that Ben Affleck brought to us. <laughs> and, and then they're finally like, oh, no, 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 this is, it's still him, but it's earlier. And I'm like, oh, OK, I, I'm, I'm down with that now. Now maybe we can stop hearing the silly jokes like worst vampire ever took 11 years to turn into a bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we you know we're going to still get plenty of, you know, Batman's don't sparkle jokes. Uh Oh, we will. Yeah. We will. But you know, people people rightfully so and I I don't like the comparison overall, but it is fair. Let, let's not forget the world lost their damn mind when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman. Yeah, that's exactly the world what I said. lost it. Yeah, that's what I said, and then you know, and I had to eat crow. I was I was scoffing. I said, uh, you know, he's a stand-up comic. He's Mister Mom. He can't be Batman, and probably my favorite movie, Batman. So yeah, I, I had to really eat my words. And so this one, Robert Pattinson, fine. You know, someone smarter than me is casting these people. Um, they know more about the business. They know more about his work and his career. So. Obviously, if that was the if Twilight was the only thing he had done, and they cast him as Batman, maybe I would oh, question yeah. more. But yeah, but he's done more. Yeah, he does. He definitely deserves a fair chance. He definitely does. And you know, if you if you go back to Keaton and when he first shows up in, in Burton's Batman, when he's just looking at that guy and he just walks up and kicks him in the face, I was like, oh yeah, you're Batman. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's lovely. That that's fantastic. But. Uh, I believe Robin Williams, I want to say, and I'll screw up his quote, so I'll just generalize it. But Robin Williams explained that, you know, if you want a dark character, if you want a dramatic character, you get a comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, you get someone that you don't expect to be that person because they've ha- they've had to actually live that in their life at some point, And there's layers to them that you don't see coming. Like, you know, you expect Robert De Niro to do Robert De Niro kind of stuff. And when he tries comedy, occasionally it works. But, you know, you, you get somebody like a Robert Pattinson and – I have high hopes. I hope he does well. I really do. I'm cheering for him. Because I remember the world lost their mind with Heath Ledger, too. And I'm like, shut the hell up, everybody. Just watch the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yep, uh, like Matt, uh, most eloquently poted... Uh, uh, elo- forget it, I can't... <laughs> I no, no, he takes water. You haven't, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you make like potable you water. Said, what I just like you said last time, wash, rinse, repeat, is what yeah. we're doing with. <laughs> And they've also announced that the this is now planned to be a trilogy, and it's making me think, okay, we kind of know where the character ends up. Does that mean we're going to see what happens to Robin? Ooh. I hope so. Are they going to go that dark? Are they going to beat Robin with a crowbar and blow him up? <laughs> I mean, we got, the, we got our animated version of that, so it's about time we get it live action. Absolutely. Yeah. Last bit of news. Rumors swirling going back and forth that Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool to appear in the MCU. Yeah, I have heard this. I, I think I even heard that maybe they're going to use one of the Spider-Man films. Someone said that was happening, and then like a week later, someone said that wasn't happening. So it keeps going back and forth. Yeah, okay. Then I heard one person put out the best suggestion I ever heard, and they were like, you know what? Stanley has died. 
So let's just have Deadpool do the cameo in every movie from now on. <laughs> and I was like, best idea ever. I, I'm good with that. All I'm of a sudden, it's, it's, it's Deadpool's driving the bus, and he's, you know, shaking his fist at someone. That would be wonderful. <laughs> People walk by, and he's in a inside a barbershop in the right. chair. Full mask. Full mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just take a little off the top. <laughs> Hi, Thor! <laughs> Anyway, he's just yeah. pretending to be a mannequin in a store window. That I'll, I'll take. Oh, it. exactly. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I'd love it. <laughs> so many things they could do with that. But yeah, I, I keep saying he's the one character that you can pull over, and it's fine. He he can just look at the camera and go, "I'm in this movie now. Let's do it. I'm not allowed to curse as much." <laughs> <laughs> I think, like we were talking before, it'd be great to have him in a film. And then every time he goes, and right before he gets ready to drop an F-bomb or something, someone interrupts him. Yeah. Or something happens to cut him off. Yeah. And that would be, yeah. They could I, want him to car- I want him to carry his own little beeping thing. So when he goes to curse, like, well, got to do this. And he just starts cussing and pushes a button. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things they can do with it. I think they could definitely have a lot of fun with it. And I think the fans would be all on board for it, that they want to have fun. Yep, we're going to let you. Yeah, he, he can pull out a script and be like, well, this is what I wanted to say, but then all the rewrites are there. You know, we'll just get that look at the camera. Wait for the director's cut, kids. <laughs> so that's it. All right. That closes it out. All right, then that is all the news that's fit to report here, so we will take a break. When we get back, we're going to look at 1969's Support Your Local Sheriff. What the hell is this, the wonderful Billy Flynn? Just some podcast that's supposed to be geeky, Podcasting's Rich Sigfrid. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. Screw that noise. I'm not going to try it. Hey, Flinstress, let's get Mikey. Do you mean critically acclaimed comedy rock star Mikey Mason, who hosts the Beer Power Time Machine podcast? Yeah, but he won't listen. He hates everything. Hi, I'm critically acclaimed comedy rock star Mikey Mason. I don't often listen to podcasts, but when I do, make mine Geek Radio Daily. Hey, hey, hey man, that, that's a different promo. Between love and madness lies Geek Radio Daily. That's kind of accurate. There are some things money can't buy. GRD is free online. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Geek Radio Daily. Eh, we'll take it. Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. GeekRadioDaily.com all right, we are back. Now, this is a film that was on my list. I did put it on there because it was just a kind of a childhood favorite. This used to come up on TV once or twice a year, and it was just one of those things that we would watch because it, it was on. Always had fond memories of it. I've had it on DVD for ages and haven't put it in and watched it in I don't know how long. It's probably been 10, 15 years at least or whatever. So really putting it on the list was not that I needed an excuse, but it gave me the excuse to watch this again. <laughs> And it's always fun because I knew it was something that you probably hadn't seen, Matt. And uh, so I thought, okay, this is just a fun romp film. It's something I'm sure Matt's going to like at least a little because it's just it's a comedy. It's just a good comedy. And James Garner's in it, so. And James Garner, you know, (laughs) who who doesn't like James Garner? So, yes, so I I, I had to put this on the list. And then, uh, you know, the word went out and everything, and Billy... Thank, th- thankfully, uh, volunteered to come on the show and talk, you know, about this film because this was. It sounds like a little bit uh, like myself. It was just one that you grew up enjoying. When I was a kid, you know, and I'm watching my reruns of Star Trek and you know, and, and the animated series and the Star Wars movies out. My grandmother loved watching westerns. She loved westerns, and I couldn't stand westerns. However. Um, Western movies was my big problem because they were just boring to me. You know, there's all these cowboy stuff, and it wasn't the good. It wasn't the good shoot 'em up cowboy stuff. But my two caveats were the Wild Wild West because it's a t- it's a TV show, and it's still it's weird. It's still a sci-fi show. It's the right. original steampunk, if you will. Plus, Western comedy reruns of Maverick. James Garner, the man, the myth, the legend. So those she would watch, and I, I wouldn't have any problem with that because they were funny. They're fantastic. So one time, 
this movie's coming on TV, as it does once or twice a year. Support your local sheriff. And and my grandmother gets me to watch it because she's like, well, Maverick said it. I'm like, what? <laughs> so we sit down to watch this. Support your local sheriff is the reason I, as a, as a kid, finally started to give westerns, at first just western comedic things, a chance is because of this movie. And who doesn't love James Garner? Let me tell you, my grandmother really loved James Garner. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I love this movie. I... I it's one of those things, Turner Classic Movies, if, if I'm flipping by and like, oh, look, support your local sheriff's coming on, I, I will just record it. I, I probably watch this at least once a year just because I love this movie so much. I cannot believe something this ridiculous was was made and is not that stupid kind of ridiculous that too many comedies try to go for. Yeah, yeah. It, that's one of the things I think, even now watching it as an adult, I appreciate probably a little bit more is that a lot of the comedy, it's... It's a fairly smart comedy. It's not like a lot of slapstick comedy. Uh, there, there is some physical comedy and everything, but that physical com- comedy is led. You're led to it by actual intelligent uh, events or dialogue. I'm like, this is good. I mean, this is yeah. like one of the. It's the type of comedy that ages well. And there's a little bit of Looney Tunes aspect that when you're a kid and your grandmother's joking with her friends and you don't understand why, but then years later you understand what's so funny. About Madame Orr's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just, just some hotel with some women. It's just, yeah. <laughs> why did he have to, why, why did they pay him to hold the horses? What do you mean there were too many horses there? Why were so many people at, at Orr's house? Hush, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love this movie. <laughs> so, Matt, this is a first time watch for you. I really enjoyed this movie. This was so much fun. And watching it, I started to realize, I think I've seen one or two of these scenes before. There were certain things of dialogue where I was like, I think I know what the punchline's about to be. And I was right. And I'm like, I may have seen, like, I may have just been flipping through and caught it and watched, like, a, you know, two or three minutes and then kept going. Right. And But, like, a long time ago. It's this, like, vague, like, did I dream this kind of memory? <laughs> but, yeah... Essentially a first-time watch, and yeah, I had so much fun watching this. I was laughing, and it's funny that you you made the comparison to Looney Tunes, Billy, because I, I wrote out, he's Bugs Bunny. Like, James yeah. Garner is Bugs Bunny in this movie, where he literally sticks his finger in a gun to stop a guy from shooting <laughs> it. But I'm sitting there going, I've seen Bugs Bunny do that. It worked exactly. for him. <laughs> It absolutely did. It's 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 it is it is a cartoon. When Bugs Bunny has a Yosemite Sam episode, you know, if you go back and watch those, the the tone of that is is very much support your local sheriff. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I really wonder if there was a little bit of influence there because there there's a couple times, even the where James Gunner's like, wait a minute, stop, and he he goes and walks across <laughs> the street. To, hang on, hang on. Okay, go ahead. Now fight. I was like, I'm sure that's been in a Bugs Bunny cartoon too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And when the fight breaks out and he's going, whoa, 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 let me get my $3 plate of food that just went up to $8. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I got a bit of a synopsis that I wrote out. Uh, written by William Bowers, directed by Burt Kennedy, James Garner plays Jason McCullough, a man passing through a small town in the Old West, a town that has a valuable gold mine, a town that has no law and order and is taxed by the Danby family. When, ta- when Jason takes the job of sheriff, a position that saw the last one run away and the two before that get killed, he's use- he uses his wits and a ridiculously fast draw to take charge of the town and shows the Danbys who's really in charge. Perfect synopsis. Yeah, yeah. Probably better than what's on the back of the box. <laughs> <laughs> Easily. That's one of the things I like about the character. He He's quick-witted. He's very smart. He almost seems as though he's dropped in from a different movie, and he's aware that this is all weird and that he's okay with it. But then, at the same time, he's the fastest draw anyone has ever seen. He can back up his his remarks and all of that. Right. It really feels like a... Um, this should have been like Maverick the movie. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot of Maverick, I'll, I'll admit. I didn't watch a lot of the Maverick show. I've seen some. I haven't seen a lot. Billy, you said you watched a little bit more of it because of your grandmother? 
Oh yeah, so it would it would be uh oh gosh, let's see. This is how old I am. Uh you would get reruns of that on a Saturday afternoon on I believe it was the UHF channel 40. Nice. <laughs> UHF kids, that was a thing back in the day. So what <laughs> Ask was the, your parents what was, about the second dial on their TV. What was the uh the tone of the Maverick television show? Was it oh, a little bit more like this? Was it kind of like the 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 wit, the comedy, or was it more? Oh yeah, action? one of one of my favorite episodes. One of my favorite episodes uh, of of this entire run. You get this uh, you get the stagecoach delivery that that's rolling in that's going to be rolling into town, and they stop, and then everyone's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And, and the driver tells them, "Well, the town's gone." <laughs> so the town that they're going to is completely gone, and then we get the episode explaining why the entire town is gone. So in one episode of Maverick. For the shenanigans that's going on, they had to literally take the entire town apart and move it somewhere else. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like this goes on in, in Maverick all the time, and and Maverick gets to play cards quite a bit. He he is a, he's a pretty good card player, uh, obviously. Because yeah, he's the, he's the gambler. Yeah. And and don't forget uh, in some of these episodes, not a lot, but you know you also have his brothers. So Roger Moore pops up in a few episodes as well. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, his British brother somehow. <laughs> <laughs> His accent is not full on, but it's, it's like he's supposed to be a more refined. He uh, was the more educated of the brothers, if you will. But but yeah, yeah, he he definitely. It's like, wait a minute, how, how in the world is that guy? Really <laughs> All right, I was just curious about that. Whether it was the same the same tone and the same kind of themes or whatever, because I have to think that's what got James Garner this role. I mean, this is before, I mean, he had a name. He was an actor. He was known in Hollywood, known for television, for, you know, for Maverick and everything. But this was before, was about five, six years before um, uh, Rockford Files, which really put his name on the map, would be my thought. Yeah. And that, that's another great show right there. <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, so, yeah, this, this movie was probably my introduction to James Gardner before I discovered Rockford Files. Oh, really? Wow. That's a hell of an so. introduction right there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when I started watching Rockford Files, I probably went, hey, it's that cowboy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy, you were talking a little bit before we started recording here that there was um, – there was you had some trivia. There was some interest – apparently some uh, – um, some there legal was, actions or something? There was, there was some potential legal action that James Garner had to fix. The opening scene – um, the opening scene of this is we're uh, we're burying a guy that came to town two days ago. He hasn't been in town long enough to even unpack his suitcase yet. And in the process of digging up the grave and putting him in, everyone notices that there's gold in his grave, mm. and everyone starts jumping in there. And you get a wonderful moment with a woman swinging a, a, a you know a shovel around, saying, "Get out of my grave!" Oh, I think I see where this is going. If I can backtrack just a moment before that, it, it starts off as, and this is what killed me, because, you know, my grandma's like, no, this is going to be a funny movie. And it starts off with this funeral thing, and I'm like, ugh. And then when the preacher starts preaching, and the dogs jump on the casket, it's like, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> that kind of lets you know, okay, this movie's not quite what you expect. But the problem is, uh, there was the, the a, a studio had an issue because Paint Your Wagon uh-huh. opens up kind of the same way. You got a funeral, you got uh, gold in a grave, and, and, and that's what starts off our, our whole thing. And James Garner had to be like, no, 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 no. That's actually not where that came from. In fact, they didn't even have it first, and he had to go show them that this trope had been used elsewhere before. So he didn't rip them off. They both ripped something else off. Interesting. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I saw this scene. Like I said, it had been a long time since I've watched it, so I didn't remember this scene exactly. And I saw this. I'm like, doesn't like the casket go like you know springing up out of the uh, out of the grave when they see it? And I'm like, and I'm, I was thinking of paint your wagon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because you know James Garner had some interest in this. It, uh, he had a production company, I think, that was responsible for making this too. Oh, interesting. Uh, Cherokee Productions, I think, he had a, a vested interest in. Gotcha. So that's how he got the role. <laughs> he slept with the producer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you do you think anyone else could have done this? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm personally terrible at doing the try to recast thing, but. Right. I think James Garner, his personality, the way he carries himself, and this is just James Garner, whether it's Maverick or Rockford or the character here in uh, Jason and, and paint, uh, paint Your Wagon and uh, supports your local <laughs> sheriff. Uh, it's just he's perfect for this. The type of comedy, the cool, quick wit, um, and just never really – he never sweats kind of stuff. Yeah, He's just – he was perfect for this. 
I can't, I can't, I can't imagine anyone else doing it and pulling it off and it being as good as it, it turns out to be. I can think and of it, people now. I don't know if I could think of anybody then. then yeah. 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 I mean, you think about people that are famous in around the 69 time frame. I, I don't know who could have. I mean, Dean Martin did some did some westerns, but it's he's just he's Dean Martin with a cowboy hat on. Right. <laughs> Dean Martin couldn't have done this, no, and no. and I just I don't know of anybody else that's you know that that laid back because Jason McCullough, you just like the guy. I mean, you just simply like the guy. And, and he rolls in, he goes into town, and he goes to the bar, and Bruce Dern kills a man, and it's like you saw self defense. That was a lot of things, but it wasn't self defense, and he doesn't come off. He's not being a jerk. He's just like, ah, well, you know, you know, just his whole entire attitude is is fantastic. He fits this movie so perfectly. He only cares. And that's the greatest thing about it, because we're not talking about this big noble guy. He's doing this for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he on his way to money. Australia. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through my way to Australia for 11 years. Well, you know, it takes some time. But, but yeah, I mean, he's not doing this for any kind of noble motive, but because he's going to do it, he's a stand-up guy. If he says he's going to do something, by God, he does it. I love that that scene with Harry Morgan. And did Harry Morgan ever look young? Ever? <laughs> no. This is he as always young as he looks, like ever. <laughs> I mean, he looked the same way in MASH. He, he looked the same way in After MASH, for the love of God. But there's that wonderful scene where they're talking about the Danbys now. Well, i got to go arrest him. He's like, well, maybe you shouldn't. And they have that moment. It's like, well, look, you're the mayor. If you don't want me to arrest him. You know, and, the, and, you know, he has to be like, okay, no, fine. It's like, okay, but, you know, the whole town's got to support me in what I do. There, there's never this, you know, it's like, what I'm, you're paying me. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. Here's what the right thing to do is. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And there's just something about that kind of presentation of a character you don't really get a lot in any movie at all. <laughs> and he is just the best when, when talking to people. <laughs> All of his conversations are fantastic. The, the the putting the finger in the gun is one of the most beautiful moments. I, I have always loved that moment because Walter Brennan just comes in. Pull, how dare you put a gun on me, spunk? Puts the finger right in there. They have this whole conversation about it. And Walter Brennan has the nerve to be upset at the end of it. Like, well, you know, that gun could have went off in my face. Would have done my finger a hell of a lot of good either. <laughs> yeah, that's probably whatever I think of that. Uh, this movie at all that's one of the scenes that pops in my head this is him just doink, sticking that finger in the gun and that line well it wouldn't have done my finger a whole hell of a lot of good <laughs> i i've definitely used that as a stinger for the podcast when it's james garner's birthday i've absolutely used that before because that is a beautiful <laughs> little moment it is so quick and you know a big shout out walter brennan good job walter brennan yes walter brennan plays this incredibly unlikable guy in in a not over the top way and if you had to deal with Westerns as much as I did with my grandmother, it took a while to figure this out as a kid. But he is doing an incredibly straight-faced parody of his role in My Darling Clementine, where he was the leader of the Clanton Boys. Yes. And, and, and his kids, it's, it's – wow. This whole th- – I, I like how they're sitting in the bar when he, when he finally gets to see his kid and realizes that his kid is being held in a jail with no bars of any kind in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, if you can talk a man into staying in jail that you can walk out of at any time, that that's a clever man. When he's talking to his kids and his kids, well, did he scare you? Oh, don't you dare say that. It's like, well, no, he just he just made me think. You know, he just made me think about it. You know, we we got all this money for the first time, and he made me think as to whether or not it's worth risking it. And and I like that a villain didn't just have absolute hatred. And he's like, well, you know what? He actually made me stop and think about things. Mm-hmm. That that's another moment you just don't see in movies. No, absolutely not. Even if that may have been an excuse that he was coming up with, because he got a little, maybe he did, did throw a little bit of yellow in him. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still nice to it's still nice to see someone actually verbalize it, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> the whole cast in this film, I think, is fantastic. It's a lot of great character actors that you've seen in a lot of '60s and '70s films. Uh, if you watch any movies or television shows of the time, you've seen these people. Uh, we mentioned Harry Morgan, famous for Colonel Potter and Mash, who plays the uh, the mayor of the town. Walter Brennan, Billy Manch, uh talked about. Um, Henry Jones, Bruce Dern. Um, who else we got here? Gene Evans. Let's see, it was um, oh, and uh, Jack Elam. Jack He's Elam. Great. He's so good as Jake. Yeah, he is awesome. Uh, I think I saw him first in maybe Cannonball Run or Cannonball Run 2, whichever one he shows up in. 
Right. If not both. I, I liked his character so much because the whole time I kept thinking, he's the one person who's not safe. If anyone's going to die, it's going to be this. Because he says it pretty much right away. Like, he's go- like, what are you going to do after he kills me? I'll arrest him for that murder, too. And that kind of sets up this idea of he's expendable, and I'm worried for him. Yeah, Jack Elam is such a cool guy because of this movie. It's, God, in about 1978 or 79, I do not remember the name of this show at all. It's got, I want to say it has lightning in the title, but I believe it was CBS that not even for a full season ran a show, a sitcom with Jack Elam in it, in which he is actually playing the honest-to-God, one-true Frankenstein monster. Really? Who is still alive, you know, in this day and time, and this, this new kid has moved into the house, and, and yeah, and Jack Elam is, quote-unquote, the Frankenstein monster. And uh, now I know what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. I'm going to be looking <laughs> that up and trying to find, find that and find uh, find I, I, and, and this is a vague memory. So I, I don't know how true this part is, but I'm pretty sure it's true and find where he's on the Tonight Show talking to Johnny Carson about it. And he's like, well, you know, when you're a guy like me, he's like, hey, you get to play that Frankenstein thing. Ooh, now finally I'm a leading man. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going to look that up. Yeah, it's it's it is a weird thing. I, I I I because I was big into horror at the time, you know. I'm like, oh, and it's Jack Elam, and it's supposed to be Frankenstein, you know, because I'm not old enough now to you know understand Frankenstein's not the monster, even though he was. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely I definitely watched that show. I, I remember very little about it. I just remember lightning would strike a lot. That's all about right. all I remember. I will definitely check that out. Now he's actually a fantastic character in this film. And I, the only other person I, I haven't mentioned was uh, Joan Hackett, who plays uh, Prudy, the daughter of, uh, of uh, the mayor there. The most accident-prone character I've ever <laughs> seen. These things stop happening to me. Yeah. Prudy, you're on fire. <laughs> when, when she was baking and the way she was standing, I was like, she's about to set herself on fire, isn't she? And sure enough, there was the smoke. Well, it's not her fault. Puberty hit her kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> She's in her 20s, but whatever. <laughs> Puberty, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, if you stop and think about things like that, it's going to mess with you. Because I think she's supposed to be a bit younger than what she looks in the film. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure she is. <sighs> uh, there's so many fantastic little moments and scenes in this film. Uh, I think, yeah, when he, when he finds out that the, the jail doesn't have any bars, and they should be in any day now. So he, he does the chalk line. And then he takes the red paint and just makes a splatter on the floor. And you don't know what's going on until he finally goes and gets Joe Danby, brings him in, and Joe sees this mark on the floor. It's like, what's that? He's like, oh, that's just from the last guy that crossed the line. <laughs> that's all and it he takes jumps right in. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how Joe keeps trying to break out, which is as easy as walking out of a door. And he can't do it. Right. He's got a few different attempts, and he can't do it. <laughs> or when his uh, his pawn and his brothers finally decide to break him out after the bars are in place, and they try to do the the classic, you know, they're all on their horseback trying to rip the bars out of the window, and he tells them, "I told, I could have told you that wasn't going to work. They're set in too good. Like, how would you know anything? Why well, helped? <laughs> I didn't have anything well, else was, to do. <laughs> they were going to do it whether I helped or not." <laughs> It's the the Danbys are just the funniest, the weirdest and funniest, most dis- dysfunctional little family. Uh, there's a great when James Garner uh, when JC tells Joe, he's like, "Don't worry, Joe. I'm sure your family's trying to figure out a way to break you out any day now." He's like, "Really? You think so?" <laughs> <laughs> he's just so happy that, that, that at the thought that they're still thinking of him. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of great little moments like that when, when he when he first puts Joe into the cell. He's like, you know, you want to get you something to read? Read? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess not then. <laughs> or uh, is the one son they're in the bar? You've been touching up your hair again, Paul. <laughs> what do you mean again? <laughs> Nothing. Just means it looks better in spots. What do you mean spots? <laughs> That's like one of those parts where somebody had a joke and they didn't know where to put it. And they were like, just shove it in this part. Like, it's a good joke, damn it. It's, it's going in the movie. They had a joke. They didn't know where He's he... wearing a hat. Like, yeah. his hat's not even off. Like, what did you see? His sideburns? Yeah. They had a joke. They didn't know where to put it. They needed to use it before they forgot it. They were writing a script for a Western. Oh, it's good enough. All right. <laughs> At least have the guy take his hat off. <laughs> 
and and the, the entire way the movie goes through. I mean, you've heard you've heard us talk about this. Obviously, they're they're playing with the traditional tropes of all this. One of the most beautiful moments is when you finally get the romantic scene, where you know. Uh, where Jason and, and Prudy get to go off for their uh, romantic uh, picnic, and that's when he's like, "Well, no, no, they're all coming into town now. I figured I'd just leave." He's <laughs> like, "Well, that that's very mature," because <laughs> he's expecting her to try to talk him out of it. You know, the traditional thing. Oh no, you got to stay. You got to. She's like, "No, that's very mature. That makes sense. You should go." Well, I can't believe you think that I'm a coward that I just run off. No, no, no. I said it's mature, and so she talks him into staying by telling him he's right to leave. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And everyone movie, else. And even everyone else in the town is like, sure seemed like a good idea to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just it, it just does not do pretty much ever what you think it's going to do, except, of course, when you see that she is going to set her dress on fire. But at every other point, you're like, this movie just always slightly goes a different way than what you think it's going to go. And if you've never seen that before, it's a very welcoming, refreshing change of pace. Would you consider this a spoof? Because it takes all these kind of these Western tropes and the Western characters and kind of turns them on their ear a little bit, would you consider it a spoof, or do you just? I've I've thought about that for a long time. I don't know if it's a spoof or if it's just a funny Western. And... I think it's a more of a funny Western because mm-hmm. it still kind of fully embraces everything about the Western. Yeah, it doesn't okay. really mock or even really play with the idea of a Western. It's a Western, and the dialogue's really funny. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good because, well, like the 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 guys who keep run, you know running into town and on their horses shooting the place up, and he's just you know Jason's just sitting there on the stoop in front of the in the sheriff's office, and he pulls that rope, and then the horses all trip. Which, when you're a kid, is is funny, and later you're like, oh my god, he could have hurt all those horses and killed them, <laughs> but but that's okay. And 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 then and did the guys get mad? It's like, all right, you made your point pretty good there. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that you know the, everyone's actually open to. To listening and learning once it's they've had their face shoved into the lesson they need to learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the most understanding Western town I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and he try and Jason tries to be very understanding. You know, when he goes to arrest uh, when he goes to arrest Joe, and we have our nice little shootout moment when Jack Elam's fully on board because he has to shoot somebody too. And you know, he just turned exasperated. Is this the kind of town you people want? We already got three dead bodies in the saloon, and it's not even noon yet. <laughs> Yeah, and I love the the takeaway from the bartender. You heard him. No, sh- no shooting until sundown. Is that what he said? Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like um, it, it's it. Yeah, so no, it, it has to be just a funny western because because uh, yeah, because it's just it's just it's funny, but it it never it's it's not making fun of westerns. It's playing it's playing straight laced with the western. It just doesn't do. What the Western normally does. Yeah, excellent. Yep. And 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 you know, to uh, to Harry Morgan and and the uh, you know the the commission, the committee, the town council. I swear to God, if Mel Brooks did not take those fellas and adapt those for Blazing Saddles, <laughs> I, there's no way he didn't do that. Because no. those guys remind me so much of them, so much. Yeah, no, that's something I thought of when I was watching this film. I was like, this is really like the staging ground for Blazing Saddles. I swear, <laughs> I think Mel Brooks saw this and went and it, it, it took the knob and cranked it to 11. Yeah. <laughs> I I really would like to to ask Mel Brooks... How much of this film influenced making Blazing Saddles? And then he'll tell you, oh, we were doing cocaine one night. And just, whoa, whoa, Mel, Mel, <laughs> slow down, Mel, whoa. <laughs> if I have, uh, I guess, one complaint about the movie, it's that uh-huh. the climax was not as clever as the rest of the movie. Mm. It's just a shootout. Yeah. And it didn't really seem as though his plan with the cannon was always his plan. It, he just saw the cannon and was like, now I have an idea. Whereas before that it was, I'm just going to start shooting and hope for the best. Right. Whereas if he had that clever idea from the start, like if they rode into town and then Joe was can, you know, handcuffed to the cannon, I would have been like, he came up with a good idea to you know, not get shot at. Right. Nope, yeah, fair enough there, yeah. Yeah, that that is the one time. That's the closest it gets to being an actual western. Is at the end when you got the shootout between the good guys and the bad guys. But that's when he does the Bugs Bunny moment. Hold it. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay, go. <laughs> and I he's, noticed he one got thing. Really mad at Prudy that she actually killed a man. Don't yeah. she know how to wound people? <laughs> the there's a part when they're all riding into town. If you count, there's thirteen of them. 
she shoots and kills two guys, and then when they're all wa- walking towards the cannon, there's th- 13 of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe they didn't get killed after all. <laughs> you see, you see the bodies in the oh. back. <laughs> so there's two extra people that showed up. They showed, They came in late. <laughs> But you know, and it's really weird now that you say that because yeah, the, that end scene they they make a they make a specific moment to show us that cannon before that entire scene plays out. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah that that is that is the one time where he wasn't a, at least half a step ahead. Right. And he, right, and he yeah. usually is, and he usually is. Yeah, that's huh. true. Very interesting. Because when they showed that, when they showed the cannon, I'm like, that's definitely coming into play. I guess he's just going to fire the cannon at them all. Nope, <laughs> that didn't happen. And then it comes into play. I was like, okay, he should have thought of this before. The cannon was always there. <laughs> right. Dip the one breakdown. But uh, yeah. Another, other than that, otherwise, it's a very good film. Otherwise, almost perfect movie. Yeah. <laughs> but then I like the whole idea of it's not loaded. <laughs> it's loaded. It's loaded. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it's loaded. Been sitting Every out. other time they said it's not loaded, it's been loaded. For one of the first times, Joe tried to break out, and he pulls yeah. the gun. He's like, come on, I unloaded that. Puts it back <laughs> in the cell, and he unloads his gun. Oh, aren't you clever? <laughs> no, uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I knew you'd at least like it. I'm glad you enjoyed it as yeah. much as you did. I had a lot of fun with it. There were just yeah. so many lines that were clever. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, was, I was chuckling out loud to myself when I was watching it last night. You can't help it. One, one of my favorite lines is when he's... He's uh, training uh, Jake how to shoot, mm-hmm. and he's got the nails on the board, and he shoots, and he pushes the nail in with just a bullet at, like, you know, 15 feet away. And Jake goes, how, how have I never heard of you before? Like, why would you have heard of me? A man who can shoot as well as you would have a reputation. And then the line is, now what would I want a reputation for? It's a good way to get yourself killed. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, yeah. He's not the you're you know the, you're you know I, I'm going town to town. I'm going to show off my gun skills. That's not Jason. That's just not who he is. And I love how he dismissed. I can't shoot like that. Well, of course you can. It just takes practice. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just so calm about it. This isn't anything special. Anybody can do what I do. You just have to apply yourself. So there's your less life lesson, kids. Apply yourself. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you can be the fastest draw in the West, even if you're not making your living doing it. You can shoot. You can shoot uh, straight through a washer. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love that part because I thought he was conning them at first. I was like, he flipped it in the air, he shot, he caught it. Are they going to fall for this? <laughs> How backwards are they? Through. How do you know? Well, I told you. Yeah, right. You, oh, it went through. You can take my word for it. It's like, this right. is like yeah. the fastest draw in the West routine. <laughs> Want to see it again? Yeah. I already put one hole in your roof. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the "it doesn't rain much" line. After that, it didn't come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, there, yeah. We don't come back to that. There's no payoff for that. But that's okay. Yep. That's okay. You don't really think about those. No, definitely a fun film. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, I, looks like it's available for free on Prime right now. Yeah, that's how I watched it. Yeah, so yeah. it's easy, easy to go and track down and watch. I don't know if it's still available on DVD or not. Uh, like I said, I've had my copy for a long time. But uh, and yeah, uh, like Billy was mentioning, it, it turns up on like um, TV. Uh, what is it? Um, Turner, Classic, Turner Classics yeah. every now and again. Um, there was a pseudo sequel called Support yeah. Your Local Gunfighter. Yeah, I don't remember that being nearly as good or as entertaining. It's- it's not as good. It's still a fun time. There, there's plenty to enjoy in that. It's probably yeah, it's, the entire cast, the same cast. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much everybody. Everybody is back. You know, Harry Moore, Jack Elam. Everybody is back and, and playing variations of their characters from the first one. It's just, uh, yeah, it 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 is a sequel. You know, it's it's got that sequel feeling to it. There's there's some very good moments. Um, the bar in town, they have um, uh, they have a roulette wheel. And James Garner walks in, and this guy's like, sir, you want to place a bet? And he's like, what do I look like to you, some kind of fool? And he walks up to the bar, and he sits there and just does this whole explanation as to how you got to be an absolute stupid person. It just takes the greatest fool in the world to go play roulette. And they keep spinning the wheel. And then he walks over and takes every bit of money out of his pocket and puts it all in, like, Red 23. Because <laughs> <laughs> it turns out, even though he knows it's stupid, it's the dumbest thing in the world to do. Uh, you, you hear the wheel. And eventually it gets to him and he has to place a bet. And and that's that's what kicks off our whole plot line there is because he's spending all of his money and then now has to get himself out of situations. And overall, people believe he is a 
that he is a gunslinger that's been hired to come to town to take somebody out. Swifty Morgan, they believe that he's the legendary Swifty Morgan. And eventually the real Swifty Morgan hears about it and comes to town to talk to the man that's taking his good name. It's it's not as good of a film, but it's it's worth your time. If yeah. you like this one, it's you've you've seen worse sequels. You really have. Yeah, because it, I, I called it a pseudo sequel because I think it, like I said, it's all the same cast and it's another western, but it's they're not playing the same characters. Yeah, so. nobody's playing the same character at all. There, yeah. but Harry Morgan is still basically the mayor of this town, right. and he's got a daughter uh, who just likes to shoot people. So he's got a difficult daughter again. It, it's 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 a variation on a theme, if you will. Yeah, it's almost like they tried to do a almost a remake or something like that just a couple years later. I think it was like it was seventy one, seventy two. Yeah, it was just a couple years because because this movie was made relatively cheap. It was made relatively cheap and it did well. So someone's like, aha, right? <laughs> you guys are on to something. Oh yeah, I'm sure this was just it was a film that someone was walking by the back lot and went, ah, you know, we haven't used that western town in a while. Yeah. <laughs> We could do something with that. And also support your local sheriff. I believe we can officially say that it has to be the best movie ever inspired by a bumper sticker. Yeah, that's true. That's true because the, the title of the film was uh, played off the uh, support your local police or police officers or something. Yep, support your local police, an initiative that was backed by a lot of politicians at the time, including, wait for it, Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon. Yeah! <laughs> Truly, truly enjoyable film. Go and check it out for yourselves. Uh, we've given you some great lines, but not all the lines. Uh, and we can't deliver them the way that Jack, James Garner does. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, that's definitely worth checking out. And, uh, yeah, Billy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories and, um, and, and sharing this film or your experience with this film with us. Well, thanks for having me. Like I said, man, yeah, this one, this is fantastic. So when you want to do arsenic and old lace, I'm back. All right. <laughs> Good to know. So uh, before we go, just uh, where can everyone find you, Billy? Uh, GeekRadioDaily.com. If you look around Facebook, we've got a Facebook group as well as a page. Facebook pages suck now, and the only way you get traction is by a group. So come join the group. That's fun. And, you know, if you don't mind uh, every day in our silly daily show uh, listening to – what used to be a Days of Our Lives recap, which is now Twisted, and the uh, the cast from Days of Our Lives are on classic TV shows. And if you can figure out what show it is, you have a chance to win a prize. I will bribe you to listen. So come on down. Yeah, I, I've yet to be able to figure out the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, next week. Yes. Next week's really going to be difficult. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've tried a couple times. There's been a few times where I thought, mm, maybe, and it turned out I think I was close. Because I think at one point they were actually were they like on, on Falcon Crest, maybe? Dynasty. They were on Dynasty. So Dynasty. Yeah. But see, that Friday, I gave you the biggest clues ever. I said this woman showed up all in white, and she's a real bitch who likes studs, but she really hates ants. I was really giving it to you. Oh, that, that's all the Joan Collins Joan reference Collins. you should need. Yeah, you know the the descriptions and everything. I was like, are they on Dallas? But no, Dallas didn't have oil rigs on the. Who could that? You know, so I couldn't figure it out. So I was, I was close. (laughs) I had a bunch of guesses for Knots Landing, and I'm like, I was like, Knots Landing had the least amount to do with oil of any of them. Yeah, (laughs) Knots Landing was a cul-de-sac for the love of God. (laughs) Exactly. No, I knew it wasn't Knots Landing. I I couldn't think of Dynasty. I I could only think of Dallas, and I was like, no, that's that's just not right. Had I looked into it, maybe I would have figured it out. (laughs) I can't believe that bit's caught on. That's crazy. (laughs) I think that bit's funny. Matt, I don't know if you've heard of it all or whatever. The whole whole idea is because one of the actors on Days of Your Lives is an actor named Billy Flynn, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And some people... And I've been on Twitter before this guy because I was on Twitter close to the inception of Twitter. Thank you. I'm a Twitter hipster. And <laughs> and one morning I came back from a convention and I, there's all these there's all these things. Oh, my God. Billy Flynn was so amazing. He was so great. And I'm like uh, – and I'm responding. I'm like, well, thank you, folks. I'm like, I'm like, wow, who are all these people? What did I do at the con that was any different? And then I found out, oh, wait a minute. These people are talking about Days of Our Lives. And I look it up and I'm like, oh, Oh, there's an actor. And then like six months later, maybe, some people got upset with something he said in an interview. And so they're they're yelling at me. <laughs> and they're talking about how uh, – and oh, look at his – and he's in this and he's in this interview and, and he's just lying. And I was like, look, I've never lied in an interview in my life. And these people just keep saying things to me. And finally I was like, you know what? Eventually 
you're going to realize why all of this is so funny. And at that point, maybe in the future, you'll actually pay attention and do research before you open your stupid mouth. And his character is Chad. And the, and he was on again, off again, dating a lady named Abby on the show. And there's a group called Chabby uh, who saw this and started coming to my defense and telling these people you got the wrong person. And they thought I was incredibly funny. And so we get in a big conversation. A lot of the, a lot of those folks now listen to the show. And because of that, we started doing the Chad update where I was doing days of our lives updates, <laughs> <laughs> but they left the show and I'm like, what do we do? And then, and Rich is like, you know what we should do? You should have them just be on old, old TV shows and see if people could figure it out and we can give prizes away. And that's what we've been doing. So now the the gang, the cast of days of our lives show up on different shows. I've had them on Alice. I've had them on Veronica's closet, square pegs, <laughs> and people are desperately trying to figure out what show it is. Awesome. Wow, that's exactly what I thought I was going to be doing with my geeky podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and now here's our Robert Picardo interview. Now listen to Chabby. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you for joining us there, Billy. Have fun. Uh, good luck with everything in the future with uh, Geek Radio Daily. And uh, I'll keep listening. And I know I know people will continue to keep listening. We enjoy your, you coming on and, and making the effort to do that every day because I know that's – I'm sure it takes a chunk of your time, and so we really appreciate the effort. Oh, well, it, it does, but thank you. As long as you're listening, it's all worth it. Excellent. Good luck for and that I, Guinness World Record. Yeah, right. Yeah, going for it. Pulling for you. <laughs> and good luck on you becoming a classic action frontier hero. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, then that is going to do it. Uh, what are we watching next time there, Matt? Next time we are watching uh, the 1988 Chevy Chase-led movie Funny Farm. All right. I've never seen this, so this will be this will be fun. This will be interesting. Back when Chevy Chase was fun. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh, catch you guys uh, in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye, all. <laughs>